You are listening to The Pause Podcast with me, Dr. Benji Epstein, a podcast where we will be giving ourselves the permission to pause. This will be a practical guide to live a life with courage, presence, and authenticity. Join us to reconnect with your most soulful and authentic self by pausing together. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. So thank you very much once again for joining me on this wonderful adventure of settling into presence, of being fully present into the lives that we are gifted. Last week, we talked about the mindset, the attitudinal quality of beginner's mind, of cultivating chidush. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking more about the attitudinal qualities that we're going to be bringing into this practice. And they are going to be the cornerstones, the foundations of everything we're going to be building upon because without them, once again, this, even this holy and necessary practice can become rote. And we want to be living with vibrancy. We want to be present in a way that we're not just going through the motions of our lives. And before we do that, we need to remind ourselves what this podcast, what pause is really about. And today we're going to talk about learning how to pause, the importance of pausing, why it's such a necessary skill, why it's so hard to do, and then finish up hopefully with a practice that we could bring into our day-to-day life. And starting off with, I remember that uh, one of my teachers, Tara, Tara Brock, shares a story that was featured on NPR, and we'll include the story in the show notes. It was about a male nurse working in the ER in Virginia, and he was witnessing trauma and death over and over again, and it was starting to take a toll on the workers in his unit, because we know from our own lives, seeing and feeling and hearing about the tragedies and the traumas that become part of everyday life, the traumas of everyday life, we can become numb, we can become burnt out. So what this nurse did was, it was around two years ago at the University of Virginia, and they had been working on a patient for a few hours, and unfortunately the patient passed away and everybody from the team was just going to move on to the next patient and there was a chaplain in the room and before everyone left he just said stop and before she allowed them to leave she said I'm going to pray over this patient and when I'm done you can all leave and they all just sort of stood there and stopped and while this nurse expressed that he wasn't really comfortable with prayer. He was a different religion or it wasn't his tradition. There was something to the act of stopping, There's something to the act of pausing that just felt right to him. By stopping the habitual activity and paying the respects and acknowledging what had just happened in the room, that pause consecrated what had just happened in the room. And so the next time 
they worked on a patient and the patient wasn't able to survive the operation. The chaplain wasn't there, but this nurse took the initiative and also stopped people from leaving. And what he said to them was, can we just pause for a moment and recognize this person who's right in front of us? This person who we tried to save before they came in here, he was alive. They were alive. They had a family. They were loved by others. They had a life. And the team respected that request and they did it. They stood together silently and paused just for a moment, just one minute. And when he was done, he thanked them. He said, thank you. Thank you for all your efforts that you did to try to save them. And that was it. But then this idea of of pausing, of taking a moment, began to spread to the other teams throughout the hospital. It was uh, other emergency workers. They picked that up, and then it trickled down to the Department of Anesthesiology and then to the surgeons. And it became so commonplace that it actually developed the name, and it was called The Pause. Ding, ding, ding. And it became so ubiquitous, widespread, that it now became a part of the curriculum that the university's nursing school teaches. And the medical staff says it helps them. Of course, this feels intuitive, but it doesn't until we actually practice it. And what it's helped them do is through the pausing, they're able to see the person that they're working with as not some nameless or just a number, just part of their workday. They take in the fact that what their work is or their aspect of the work that's sacred rather than just this momentary interaction with somebody you see for five minutes and then never think about again. And this story is so appropriate because it really sets the stage for the theme that we're working on together for this podcast. And it's so appropriate because the name of this podcast is da, 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 Pause. We're still waiting on the swag. Pausing. Learning to pause. And most importantly, like these medical professionals have shown, the emphasis will be on how we can start learning how to pause, specifically when we're caught in the most reactive, the most stressful parts of our day. Because that's when we need to pause most. And pausing isn't just something that we add on to our day. It's really part of a healthy rhythm. It's part of the natural healthy rhythm of our lives. And unique to our audience, this behavior and mindset is a fundamental need in, in our Avodah Hashem, in our spiritual growth. One of the great psychologists of the 20th century, Rollo May, writes, similar to what Viktor Frankl said, freedom is the capacity to pause in the face of stimuli from many directions at once and in this pause, to throw one's weight toward this response rather than that one. How we pause, or when we pause, by pausing, we are going to enable ourselves, we are going to be able to access the freedom to choose to how we respond to any situation. We're not going to be trapped in the reactionary mind where we feel like we have to respond in a way that might not be skillful, but we don't have a choice because it's so reflexive. And then we take a breath. 
how we respond after the pause is going to make all the difference. And we see this in our own Torah. We see this in our Torah, where the Torah describes how when Yaakov Avinu was preparing to meet his brother Esav, he was preparing to go to battle with his brother Esav, and he had to take all the precautions, sent a gift, prayed, readied himself for battle. And the verse, the Pasuk says, Vayitem biyad avadav, eider, eider levado. He's giving his gift to his brother Esav, trying to placate him. And he specifically instructs the people who are delivering the gift to, when they're giving over these flocks, it says, Revach tasim ben eider leider. When you're giving over these flocks, these sheep and camels, when you give these gifts to my brother, separate them. Create a separation between them. Revach tasimu. Make a space. Create a space. And Rashi explains that he wants to create some sort of optical illusion that it'll seem even bigger. This massive gift, let make it even seem bigger. Let it let it spread out a little bit. But we also know Masse Avosim on the bottom. Everything our forefathers have done is part of our spiritual, spiritual genetic makeup. So what can we learn from this? What the mystical works speak about, and the point that we're really focusing on, is that in this day and age, in our lives, in the everyday traumas of life, this space becomes a purposeful way for us to engage in the deluge, the just the, the rainstorm of the day-to-day life, the sorrows and the tribulations of this world. Because if we're not mindful, if we're not present to see how making time intentionally to just pause, then everything just sort of cascades onto us. It just completely... (sighs) pours over us and it causes us to feel jumbled and we start to feel submersed in this darkness and we struggle because it feels like every single thing just piles and bleeds into the other one and blends into it and and we're just left (gasps) gasping for air and we need to learn to pause between every single thing positive negative parv whatever it is pause pause, see everything uniquely for what it is. Otherwise, it could start to feel so overwhelming. It could start to feel like we're submerged in this darkness. Now let's think about it for a minute. What makes it so hard to pause? Aside from your cell phone, right? You ever just get caught up? Kid asks you, hey, do you have a minute? Like, "Uh, I'm in the middle of something right now, right? We like to call that this trance, this trance state, this is the trance of doing. And we keep coming back to this yesod, this foundational point that we are not human doings. We are essentially at our nature human beings, right? We, we can tap into this mode of being, of presence. But if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention, our default quickly causes us to lose sight of that. And we regress into human doings. And so long as we're not paying attention to it, this mode, this automatic pilot mode, will sneak up on us if we're not paying attention. And for myself, and <laughs> again, I, I want to thank everyone for allowing me to just share these ideas because this is what I'm working on as well. This isn't coming from you to you from a you know the ivory tower. This is me 
in my day-to-day life saying, what do I need most to be able to live most fully? So for myself and, and the clients who I work with that struggle with this, is that we're, we haven't really learned how to not do. We're so good. We're so driven to do that we haven't really emphasized or cultivated the ability to not do. And that's often because we don't really know who we are when we aren't doing something. What a fear it is to just sit and be with our thoughts. You know, think about this. Think about the last time you were lying in bed trying to fall asleep and see the, you know, what comes up. It is intimidating. It could be scary. It's like, whoa, where did all these thoughts come from? Like, oh, we didn't have a chance to even allow ourselves to entertain them because we kept ourselves busy all day, lying in bed, struggling to fall asleep. And suddenly you can't drown out the noise when there's nothing to do anymore. And then we could get to something's wrong. I need to do something to always be ready. Something's missing, right? The fear of missing out. I need to get sure that I make all the advantages, make sure I get all of the, you know, whatever it is we're striving for. So let's just lean into this for a bit. Are you a person who is comfortable doing nothing? And we've become so accustomed to just doing because who are we when we're not? It's a scary, scary idea to think about. I'm not talking about mindlessly scrolling on Twitter. That's not doing nothing. I mean actively choosing consciously to not do. And we're going to talk about this a lot in in later podcasts, even cultivating the attitude of non-doing, which is really the underlying current that flows through our Shabbos. But here's just an experiment. (laughs) Let me think about this. Stop what you're doing right now, unless you're driving. Don't stop. If you are driving right now, do not stop driving. But if you're just listening on your phone at your desktop, can you put this down and sit still for a moment? I'll be here when you get back. What came up for you? What did you feel in your body? Right, the reality is that while it's true that we can't spend our life in this Shabbos mode, we need to respond and be active in our life. But when we pause just now, did you feel that urge to get back to whatever you were doing? Did you say to yourself, this is silly? Were you able to take that deep breath and just settle into the moment as it is? The problem is, is we've gotten hooked on the need to be active and to be doing in our life. And we're hooked on thinking. We're so good at thinking, we're not even aware that we're doing it. That there's always something that needs to get done. There's something missing. There's something that we're afraid of. And we get locked into incessant doing. And there's none of that space to breathe. Revach tasim ben eder leeder. Create a space in your life. One of our spiritual teachers and guides, Rav Moshe Weinberger Shlita, he recently quoted from the Balasulam, one of the great Kabbalists of the recent century. 
It says that the Ein Sof is found in the Menucha Muchletes. The Ein Sof, one of the names of God. Where can you find that? That is in the ultimate Menucha, the ultimate resting place, the ultimate presence. The Infinite One is never moving. He's always present. He's always right now. The presence that we can tap into is always here. We just need to stop moving as well in order to feel it. We can't feel it as viscerally, as palpably, if we're in a constant state of motion. Movement, by definition, explains the Balasulam, means that something's lacking, something's missing. It's going to be better over there. But that's not how it's in with spirituality. That's not how it is with the Ein Sof. There's no lacking. There's no chisaron. There's no movement. But our nature is such that it's so hard for us, more than ever before, to just be, to just stand still. Right? Just stop. Just try to stop. But the human being from the beginning of time has been cursed, right? The original sin and the curse of Cain was you're going to be someone who's nav and nod, back and forth and movement and wandering, right? Even when we're sitting still, our minds are in constant movement. So a person could be chilling on the beach in Bora Bora and still be stressing about any, anything. And we need to become like... If you ever built a fire, right? You can't pack the logs in so tight, right? There needs to be air. There needs to be space for it to burn brightly. For our lives to burn brightly, we need the space. We need to create those spaces, those moments to just breathe, and we know it. Just like we need to sleep in order to physically have our full health, we need to have this mental pause to stop the incessant movement, to be aware of the stories that we're constantly creating in our mind and to have a space, a refuge where there's a deeper kind of wisdom, a deeper kind of knowing can be felt and moving through us, right? To be in the place of presence, to live, to live in the presence. And these themes are things we're going to be coming back to over and over and over again. Because when we don't pause, when we get carried into these behaviors, some of them can be unskillful and some of them are downright, I hate to say it, not good. And the places where we get into most trouble is that instead of pausing, rather than pausing, we're just going to get back into our automatic responses. How many times have you checked your phone today? And you don't know because it's a lot higher than whatever number you thought you just did. We're touching our phone incessantly and doing these types of behaviors. Stop us that we're not able to pause and be with each other, be with one another in a conversation. What research has shown is even the presence of a phone on a table at a meal is going to distract from a person's ability to be present. Just having the phone there, not even, not even on the phone. And something else that, that, that I, you know, struggle with and, and that my clients have shared with me is when we do pause, when we finally do it, we start to feel so vulnerable about, really being seen, about being accepted, about being heard. 
And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be in the presence of someone else. So we revert back to those safety behaviors. How's our eye contact doing? How's our ability to listen intently, right? We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Again, this isn't wrong. This isn't bad. It's just uncomfortable. And we'd much rather not feel whatever we're feeling. And then we're once again stuck in that doing mode. And if we're not pausing with one another, really being present with our loved ones and ourselves, right? It's going to create a lot of distance. As an as an aside, and we'll probably dedicate a, an episode or two to this, I think it relates to this idea is that everybody wants to be compassionate. It feels good. It feels right. It's part of our, 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 our nature, Rachmanim, right? That's part of who we are. It's part of our spiritual DNA. And if you ask people if they're compassionate, I would hope they would say, yeah, I'm a compassionate person. I care. But if we're not careful, we could overlook the fact that compassion includes within it feelings of pain. Because if we're compassionate to another, that means we're really being present and feeling another's pain as our own and doing that. To really do that, that's painful. And what I've seen and what I've read and experienced myself is that it's impossible to take in the pain of another unless you have some sort of comfortability, some sort of ability to take in your own pain. And most of us, most of us are not really good at accepting our own pain. What we do instead is self-medicate, deny it, or distract ourselves from it. We're so intent on just pushing it away, getting rid of our pain. So we don't allow ourselves to fully feel it. We can't take it in. And then if we're not able to do that, if we can't take in our own pain, then we're not going to be capable of feeling another's pain. So on some level, unless we learn and cultivate this skill of pause, we're not going to be capable of actual compassion, even though we're telling ourselves we're compassionate. So as painful as it might sound, this is where the liberation comes. Can we be open to the pain? And that becomes a critical part of the pause. Or those voice notes you sent this morning that you regretted immediately, right? You didn't pause before you pushed the send button, right? And again, the six deletes that you sent afterwards, that doesn't make that person feel better. That may or may not have happened this morning, right? Right? Deleting it after you send counts, but you want to get to that beforehand. How many times have we regretted that Lashonara, that just saying that, whatever just spilled out of our mouth, that plitat peh. We were just caught up in that stream of conversation and that, ah, that icky feeling afterwards, right? And had we paused briefly, and the research shows that in couples therapy, just pausing in the middle of like a really intense argument, giving people a 10 minute break and they come back into the room and guess what? We could talk about it again. Nothing no intervention, no brilliant technique, simply catching your breath. But because we didn't pause, we got caught in the behaviors and we didn't come back 
to what we can call our, our soul state, right? And the goal is obviously soul. Our higher state of being, rather than tapping into our truer selves, we end up behaving in ways we regret. Addictive behaviors that we've gotten caught in because we didn't pause and the urge moves right into the grasping. There's no space. You have the taiva, you have the desire, you have the thought that you're going to X, Y, or Z, and next thing you know, the next bowl of ice cream, the gambling, the e-cig, whatever it is, insert behavioral addiction of choice here. Simply pausing to break the cycle. And to our spiritual lives, in our own service of God, avodas Hashem, where we bring in our own fears of not getting where we want to get and are wanting to have certain spiritual states and looking around at what other people are doing. And rather than pausing and arriving here, there's a kind of leaning forward, a, a striving attitude of grasping, of judging. Are we there yet? Is this enough? How am I doing? The whole attitude is antithetical to true spiritual practice. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. So we need to know how to stop. And my teachers have told me, and I invite you to do this sometimes as well, just say to yourselves, stop, pause. Not in an authoritarian way, not in a punitive way, like telling your kid to stop hitting his sister. Stop it. It's an invitation. Stop. Pause. Breathe. You can stop. I call it mincha. <laughs> so one of the key components of this pause cast is that we're really going to be focusing on making it experiential. We don't want to be just talking about the practice, but doing the practice and being the practice. So today I'm just going to introduce a key practice that you can sprinkle throughout your day to help you break out of autopilot and help you settle into the present moment, shift your attention to what you're really intending to focus on in the moment, or maybe what's most important in this moment and changing your day in this way. And it's called the STOP practice. And it's an acronym, obviously, that stands for S, which is STOP. So you're just taking this intentional pause. You're doing it on purpose. The T is a reminder to take a breath. Feel it vividly. The O is going to allow you to observe. So you're just studying your mind, observing your body, observing your thoughts, your feelings, observing how your mind is, if it's busy or calm. And then the P, proceeding with what's most important right now. Stop. We should do a pause one. I'll have to come up with some acronyms. But uh, for now, we're just going to do stop. So let's practice this uh, for a few moments together. And the goal, which is soul, would be to go ahead and do it on your own. Or you could listen to this part of the podcast over and over again. But either way, see if you could set aside time in your day 
to making this pause, this stopping, a real intentional part of your day. Breakfast, stop. Drop kids off, stop. Get to work, stop. Every time we go to the bathroom, there's an opportunity to make a blessing, a bracha, stop. Mincha, literally. You're in the middle of your workday and you make an intentional pause to just reconnect with what's really important. What really matters to you in this moment? And when you do these practices, it's so important for you, for me, <laughs> it's important for me, for you to share how it is with you. So please leave a comment and, and share how this was for you. So here we are, and just taking a moment to get into a seated position, and this is a position that embodies dignity. It's a position of wakefulness. Mindfulness is often called the practice of falling awake. Similar to Rabbi Nachman's stories, we tell our kids stories to wake them up. These are the practices of wakefulness. And so we're just going to sit here with a sense of a straight spine, but maybe not too straight, not straining. Sitting in a comfortably relaxed position. And you're welcome to keep your eyes open if you'd like to keep them. Or closed. Either way. Whatever is most comfortable for you. And just taking a few deep breaths. Collecting your attention. And we can stop. And we can become aware of this breath as it comes in and goes out. just becoming aware of breathing in this moment. And it may take a moment to notice where you feel the breath most prominently in the body, and it could be at the tip of the nose, the chest or the belly. Just being aware of breathing and just taking this practice one breath at a time. Allowing yourself to use this breath as an anchor into this very moment. And as we're breathing, we be can become aware of the body. Just observing the positioning of the body. Noticing if there's any tension or tightness anywhere in the body. There might even be a sense of feeling loose. Maybe tight. Being mindful that we aren't judging any of this as good or bad or right or wrong. We're just observing it as it is. And in stopping... And taking this breath, we can also collect our attention onto our emotions. How are you feeling in this moment? 
Is there a sense of irritation, frustration, maybe excitement or joy or boredom? Whatever is there, again, not judging it, just being aware of it, observing it, letting it be. And in the same respect, we can bring our attention to our minds, just noticing thoughts, noticing if the mind is busy or if it's calm. Perhaps our mind feels cloudy or clear. Just noticing thoughts for a moment. And now with this awareness, with this intentional breaking out of our autopilot and grounding to this moment, ask yourself, what's most important right now? What are we, what am I intending to do right now in this next moment? What are we wanting to do in this next moment? And as the answer arises, continuing with that, with whatever comes up in our mind, whatever it is that's grounding us to this moment, continuing with that, with presence and kindness. Adam Phillips writes, the pause is especially important for the freedom of being, what I have called essential freedom. For it is in the pause that we experience the context out of which freedom comes. In the pause, we wonder, reflect, sense awe, and conceive of eternity. The pause is when we open ourselves for the moments to the concepts of both freedom and destiny. Thank you so much for pausing with me today. Let's pause together again real soon. The goal is soul. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And of course, to see more content from Pause, you can sign up for our WhatsApp status. Hit the link in the description where we post content every day throughout the day. Content from Dr. Epstein and others. Thank you for listening.